Welcome to the live special Big Recon on Sports podcast here. Our first episode on Twitch and, of course, on the Big Recon YouTube channel. That, of course, was Earth, Wind, and Fire. It is September 2nd, and we got Willie in the house. So Earth, Wind, and Fire had to be the way we started this evening. As you can see, it's a full boat here. My wise guy's co-host, JC Blue Note, the man, the myth, the legend, Willie Epting Jr., and, of course, Big Recon here. Let me tell you, everybody out here, how this all started. I cornered Jim into doing an Ohio State Notre Dame preview, which he was, which we would never do on the Wise Guy Show because he refuses to do an Ohio State centric episode, which I respect. And then well, let's let's clarify you. It's 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 tolerate. It's not respect. <laughs> How I am with that team that you're wearing tonight. There's a big difference. Okay. Good. Respect is one less letter to say. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then our first topic of the night went down yesterday with the biggest trade in Cleveland Cavaliers history since sending Andrew Wiggins and everybody and a mama to Minnesota for Kevin Love in 2014. What's the dude's last, the funny last name? I can't remember it. Abaji? Lori Markinen. Lori Markinen. Abaji. Who was the third player? Colin Sexton. Oh, the young bull. That hurt me, by the way. Colin Sexton, three future protected first-round picks and two swap picks go to the Utah Jazz. Unprotected. They're unprotected? I thought they were protected. Yeah, unprotected. So three unprotected picks and two swap picks to the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, his daddy has worked in the Mets front office for 30 years. Kevin. <laughs> He's... And here he is, a Cleveland Cavalier. So, Willie, when Jim and I and you started talking about this on Twitter yesterday, that's when you're like, can I jump on? Right. So I'm going to make a provocative statement real quick, and then I'm going to talk about something my buddy Nick and I that Jim knows uh, went through last night. They can get to the Eastern Conference Finals and represent the Eastern Conference in the Finals this year. They're starting five. They're starting five. Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Okoro, Mobley, and Jared Allen. No one remembers they added four all-stars. Yep, but no one remembers they added Brooke Lopez in the offseason. So your second line is Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, Mobley's brother, Kevin Love, and Lopez, which means Dylan Windler and Jetty Osman will barely see the floor. Well, I got a feeling Chetty's going to be in there until they're ready to develop Mobley. I think I think Mobley starts the year uh, uh, with the charge, the the G League team, and then they and then they bring him in. Okay, so Willie, you, you're you're the elder statesman of the basketball fandom in the room. Okay, what was your impression of the deal? And am I off my rocker? My impression of the deal was, or is rather, Danny Ainge is doing Danny Ainge things. And they're clearly in a rebuilding mode in Salt Lake City. And I think that when um, Quinn, Quinn Snyder left, 
that right there was the straw that broke the camel's back for Donovan Mitchell because he actually loved Quinn Snyder. And Quinn Snyder's a darn good coach. Don't get me wrong. But him being Donovan Mitchell signing that extension hinged a lot on whether or not Quinn Snyder was going to be there long term or not. So when Danny Ainge takes over, he's going to rip the thing apart. He's going to he's going to strip it down and he's going to build it back up. And it, it, the first domino to fall was Rudy Gobert and now Donovan Mitchell. So now who do they have on their team uh, outside of the of the pieces that the Cavs just gave them? that we really know about other than Mike Conley. And he's uh, clearly on, he's clearly in the December year or December months of his career. I wouldn't say December, maybe, maybe October for Mike Conley Jr. But uh, Danny Ainge, remember what Danny Ainge did when he was in Boston. He fooled everybody into thinking up to and including the Philadelphia 76ers that they were going to take Markel Fultz with the first overall pick back then. And they wound up trading out and ended up getting Jason Tatum was who they wanted in the beginning. And then on top of that, if you remember, he traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn or the then. Well, yeah, it was the then Brooklyn Nets for some other assets back. And, and, and to start that whole thing, he was the one instrumental in getting Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen and Paul Pierce or with Paul Pierce in Boston. So this dude knows exactly what the heck he's doing. For the fans of hashtag take note, they're going to have to be patient. And unlike, I just talked about this on the Shakeback Sports Show, unlike the the Celtics teams when Ainge was putting those things together, the Jazz have had a, you know, a reasonable portion of success in the playoffs. But when that when he was doing it for the Celtics, they were terrible. I mean, they had to, they, they were horrible. So, um, in a loaded West, I mean, I don't expect for, for the Jazz to really make much noise in terms of making a playoff push. I think that that is way too much to give up for Donovan Mitchell. And that's no knock on Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell is a great player. But you give up a haul like that for somebody like Anthony Davis or um, Jason Tatum. You don't give up that kind of that those kind of assets for Donovan Mitchell. He's a great player, but he's not a He's not a superstar player yet, and I don't know if we've seen his peak. But another thing, too, that worries me about this is, is that they essentially traded one guard away that's 6'1 and got another guard in that's 6'1, and now you still have two people in the backcourt that are both 6'1. That goes with three or four seven-footers on the front line that can actually space the floor. Yeah, that's well, one, one of them's now gone. Oh, I know Markkinen was one of them that's now gone, but you still have the other three. You still have the phenomenal on-ball defender in Isaac Okoro. You have the the throw in the middle. And you still have veteran presence and leadership with Osman and Kevin Love. Jim, I want to go to you because I want to know what's going on on the ground at home. What's been – now, granted, they're all talking about the morons on the lakefront right now. No, they're not. They're talking about the Guardians, aren't they? No, they're not. They're talking okay. about the deal. Okay. What's going on on the ground at home? Um. If any of you, it's and this is, I very, very rarely self-promote. I did 25, 30 minutes last night talking all about this deal. When I when I messaged you guys yesterday, uh, when the deal first came down, I was kind of in the same idea as as you were, Willie. 
uh, when you had said that that's, that's way too much of a haul. The more I sit back and I think about it, the more this trade makes sense and the more and more and more I like it. And not just as, as, as a Cavs homer. Again, four All-Stars now because, let's be honest, uh, um, Evan Mobley should have been an All-Star last year and, quite honestly, should have won the Rookie of the Year. How he finished third is an absolute robbery. Um, but with this is I'm going to I'm going to steal a line from uh, from one of the Cavs analysts on the local uh, CBS sports affiliate here. This is now the deepest Cavaliers team since this is actually even deeper than any of the five LeBron finals teams. And it's period. almost as deep as the Hot Rod Williams, Larry Nance, Sr., Mark Price, Brad Doherty teams. Almost. Almost. I, I think if Mobley develops, it can be just as deep. Yes. Um, so I thought it was too much to give up at first, and then I thought about it this way. That backcourt is going to be a problem for everybody in that division. Peach is hit number 32. I'm sorry, I polar bear. My Mets are on in the background. I apologize. Um, <laughs> when we do the October baseball one, I'm starting to wake me up when September ends. Because mm -hmm. that's the one. So this is a problem. Does Milwaukee have the backcourt to guard these guys? No. Does the Bulls? You can make an argument. I'm going to put them third in the East right now behind Boston, and, and, and I'm going to go out a little out of left field here. I'm going to say Miami. I don't think it's out of left field. They just went to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Look, I still, there's still something about Miami. The dysfunctional sons in Brooklyn don't get any respect out of me. I'm sorry. None. See, here's my argument where people say that they gave up too much. The three unprotected first-rounders, yeah, but as competitive as this team's going to be, they're back-end. When the Browns did it for Deshaun Watson, we figure that those were going to be middle of the round and you can still get starters out of there because there's 53 on an NFL roster. There's only 12 on an NBA and then maybe 20 if you actually add in under contract guys, you know, down in the G League. With Sexton, we knew the second that Garland had that breakout year and Sexton got hurt in the third game of the season last year, he was going to be the odd man out. Mike, you and I have talked about it, that there was a lot of talk that it could have been San Antonio. I'm actually surprised he got packaged with this. Abaji kind of hurts me a little bit, but they've got so much young talent. But the thing is, is Markinen, once he came back from his injury, he looked like a fish out of water on the defensive end. He did, and I want to say this, Willie, because Jim and I said this last year before the draft. Abaji's the guy we wanted at, what was it, 13? Yeah. So that's who we wanted. We were very shocked we got him. Um, on top of that, remember, this team was the two-seed in the East before the injuries and COVID last season. So now let's take this another route. Willie, you're sizing up the Eastern Conference. You have a dynamic backcourt in Cleveland. You have... Giannis in Milwaukee, you have Jimmy Butler and the Road Boys in Miami, you got the defending Eastern Conference champions in Boston, and then you got the knuckleheads in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And apparently the Knicks, who thought they were in a cinch for this. Oh my God. <laughs> now, in all, all in all fairness, Donovan Mitchell loves to wear orange and blue. It's just not the Knicks orange and blue. They don't wear orange and blue now anymore. Well, the Knicks do, but I, I thought yeah. you meant orange and blue here. And no, no. I, boy, I wish they would go back to those. 
That orange and blue. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Listen, man, we it's too. It, there are so many games over five hundred, and it this is this is insanity. I love it, but with the Eastern Conference now, and I know I and I'm a homer, and, and you know as soon as I can do the second run, you're going to have the big Reek and Cavs T-shirt. But in all honesty. With the way they play defense under J.B. Bickerstaff and the way they can now score consistently with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and Jared Allen can control the middle, am I really that far off? Here's my concern because the obvious talent is there. uh, The depth is there. And, you know, and on a side note, I'm I'm really glad that this took place so we can really put the – I mean, with LeBron re-upping with the Lakers – I'm really happy that we can finally put the rest of any LeBron talk returning to Cleveland. Um, but in terms of what you mentioned, the, 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 probably the biggest concern I have is the fact that those guys are both six one and that they're going to be a, they're going to be the target of a lot of matchups when they have to go and play defense because there are a lot of big guards in, in the East. There are. Okay? Uh, you're talking about Jimmy Butler. You're talking about Jason Tatum, who can play the two or or even the, th- or the three. And he's, what, 6'10". You're talking about um, not necessarily Kyrie Irving because he's only 6'2", but he plays bigger than that. And, and of course, Donovan plays bigger than that, too. But that, that, that would be, I guess, my most pressing concern is the lack thereof of size by those two guys on the defensive end. Other than that, everything else that you guys talked about, I'm 100% on board with. Does this make them a top four talent team in the East? Um, I have a hard time putting them in front of Boston. I have, okay. a hard, I have a hard time putting them in front of, say what you will, I have a hard time putting them in front of Brooklyn. I have a hard time putting them in front of Miami. And I have a hard time putting them in front of, uh, in front of Milwaukee because Milwaukee has – that monster who is going to be really, really pissed off coming into this next season. Well, he don't have his big man running mate anymore. His big man running mates in Cleveland. But he's still there. I agree. And Giannis is one of my favorite non-Cavaliers to watch. Honestly. I could live with fifth in the East. It's not the plan. No, it's not the plan, but I still think they get to the four. I honestly do. Um, Look, I am learning this season that chemistry means a lot on a professional sports team. This team I watch every night of the week, the chemistry in that locker room and that clubhouse is paramount to what they're doing. That crap in Brooklyn is going to come back to bite them. Hmm. Guarantee you that. And the fact that Captain Flat Earther Hasn't played a full season in two and a half years. And he's always hurt when he tries to. Look, man. You got you got the biggest whiner in the NBA telling him to get rid of Steve Nash. Shut up. They added Markeith Morris because they needed a thug. That roster's good. That roster's old. Someone put up a great stat today. The three teams in Cleveland, the average age, 23. That's big. 
That's the guards, the Browns, and the Cavs, and the Cavs put together. I think the average age of the Cavaliers is 22.6. Correct. So they're young. They're hungry. They feel cheated from last season. You don't have to give a small town like Cleveland a chip on their shoulder. These boys have one, and now they got a chip on their shoulder with a, with a, a budding superstar. Let me bring one more thing up, Mike. The, those three teams you mentioned, look at the marquee talent on each of those. We've made we've cracked on him for six months. When he gets back, Deshaun Watson is going to have a massive, massive chip on his shoulder, and he is an all-world talent. We're just we'll see how it works here. Jose Ramirez took a pay cut as one of probably the 20 best players in all of baseball to come back for five years for the town that he grew up in. And now you've got all of this talent loaded on the Cavs, and they're all 20. Mitchell's going to be 26, I think, by the All-Star break. All of that talent is going to be 26 or younger in the starting five. Look at how much this town has come back that quick. Agreed. And then you also see what um... – Let's talk about his reaction. Did you hear what you guys hear what Windhorse had to say? No. Apparently, he was golfing, and when he found out that Garland, Allen, Okoro, and Kevin Love were not in that deal, he started running around the golf course screaming like a lunatic. My father was golfing. He heard about it. He almost started doing the same thing. I I sat at my desk and went, "Whoa." <laughs> Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I got to tell the boys. I got to tell the boys. Um, we're going to have Alex on, the Bulls fan, to talk about this too. Oh, Last, yeah. He's actually he's not going to be happy with the fact that they just announced that Ball's going to miss the start of the year. Yeah, I just saw that good. too. Um, one last piece of this, and then I, I would like to get Willie's take on what else came out today uh, in the world of sports. Now, we're going to let our man go because he does look like he's a little sleepy tonight. I, I feel you. I feel you. Let me put it this way. My, I told my wife, I said, remember, um, doing a show tonight. She goes, oh, I know. She had Bobby out running around all day. He was out by five after eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, better, it's better than the than the Benadryl uh, option. You know what? We only had to use that when he had COVID. Oh, yeah. Well, but, outside, but outside of that, he's a good sleeper. The other night he didn't want to go to bed, but he's a good sleeper nonetheless. Um. Willie, now let's take it from the Western Conference now, mm -hmm. where the champs are in the Western Conference. You have the dysfunction that is your boys. I'm sorry. Um, we know Utah is not really going to make a run now without Donovan or Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. Do you see a team that could make a quiet run in the Western Conference that's not one of the ones that get the headlines? Is this a San Antonio rebirth? Are we talking Houston's going to find a way to do something? Do you see a team outside of uh, the ones we talked about that could actually put a dent in the uh, playoff run out there? I, I kind of like the Timberwolves because, um, you know, getting Rudy Gobert and not having to give up Ant, Ant, Ant Evans, they, they basically have a big three per se. Rudy Gobert is not the player that he was on defense, but he's still more than for serviceable. And he can still grab a bunch of rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns is that dude, and Ant Edwards is is a Dominique <laughs> Dominique Wilkins uh, in the making. So they can put some pieces around those three guys, some role players. Uh, I like where they're headed. 
Uh, also, another squad, too, uh, guys, is the New Orleans Pelicans. Because okay. uh, you have C.J. McCollum out there. You got Brandon Egram. You got to think that Zion is going to try to shake this bust. Or I'm, I'm the one. I know I've labeled him as a bust up to this point because he just hadn't shown anything. Um, Brandon Ingram is improving every year. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is one of the better big men in the country or in the in the NBA that that people hardly talk about. They've got a nice mix of people out there uh, to include off the bench Larry Nance Jr. and Jackson Hayes. So watch out for the Pelicans if they can if they can just pull it all together and bring Zion back and and he plays uh, more than three and a half games per season then you might want to look out for those guys in the Southwest division. No, I agree with you. It's not a good sign when the former number one overall has more games per average in college than the pros. Mm -hmm. And he only played one year. That's not good. I Um, agree a a trillion percent. Willie, I completely agree real quick. It's I saw the Cavs and, and Minnesota uh, downtown in the game last year, and Minnesota was running the Cavs. They were kicking them up and down the floor until the Cavs made a phenomenal run. Mike, you remember the game I'm talking I about. I do remember the game. But Minnesota is for real. It's I grew up a Timberwolves fan, but it's all. But, yeah, I would love to see them make a, make a run this year. There's one thing that no one's talking about that's going against the Timberwolves, and that is Alex Rodriguez is now part of the ownership group. Yeah, he may be trying to move them out of Minnesota. But, you know, let me take that back because I actually heard before they actually made the deal that they would promise or make a pact or whatever that they would not move that team from Minneapolis to Seattle. If anything, uh, Adam Silver is going to want to expand to Seattle. They're talking about expanding to 32. It's uh, I would think that they'd want, to, uh, want an expansion team as opposed to somebody else's. No, well, I. Sorry, Willie. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I agree with that, but those were some of the rumblings that I had heard because the NBA. I mean, and Seattle deserves a team, man, for real. Um, that fan base out there, and when and when the Sonics were in their heyday with Gary Payton and and Sean Kemp and Dennis Shrimp and all those guys, yo, that that's a that that's a crazy sports town like Cleveland, you know, like Dallas. I think Dallas fans are a little bit more um, – they're deta- more detached from reality <laughs> than those other cities. But, um, I love when you go to the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that's just some of the rumblings I had heard uh, way back when, whenever A-Rod and, that, and that, that group was in the mix for becoming an owner, becoming owners of that franchise. 30-second uh, question here. I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, yeah. We know that Seattle, if they, if they do expand to 32, Seattle is going to be one of them, especially with all that money that they put into rebuilding Key Arena, now Climate Pledge Arena. And, and if you guys have actually seen the inside of it for Kraken games, you know, for pictures, it's incredible. Where would the 32nd be? Where would you pick? Would you think Vegas? Would you think San Jose? Would you think Nashville? Not not, not San Jose. No. Um, not I'm just I'm just throwing ideas out there. Just been right the first time, and they put them in the same building as the Raiders. Vegas. Yeah, I don't know about putting them in the same building as the Raiders. Um, that's you'd that. put them in the you'd put them in T-Mobile with the Knights. Okay. Or 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 I mean, just like the well, that's not that's not the same place where UNLV plays, is it? 
No, Thomas I think that's Thomas and Mack. That's Thomas and Mack Center. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. If that's the case, then. But I think Vegas is Vegas and Seattle are the next two up. Uh, the next two items up for bids as far as NBA expansion goes. Do you guys remember when we were younger? And we're all pretty close in age. Close your mouth, Mike. What? <laughs> okay, we were all close in age, and that's the last thing we heard. Close your mouth. I heard you say that, man. Come on. Because you were like this. <laughs> I am going to screen cap that the second we're done. Okay. All right. There was something funnier that happened last time Willie and I were on here together. I, I didn't have the light that Steph uses for her lives. Willie goes, why is it so dark? I said, Puerto Rican in the winter, in the summertime. And, <laughs> and punt. <laughs> All, right. All right. So um, going back to what I was going to say, remember when Vegas was just nothing but gambling and girls, and now we're talking three major sports franchises. This is crazy. When people didn't want pro sports in Vegas because of the gambling. Now you can gamble on here. Mm -hmm. Speaking of gambling, let's get to the biggest gambling-induced thing that's happened in the last five years. And it comes out today that as of 2026, the college football playoff will expand to 12 teams. Thank you. I've been asking for this for years. Willie don't like it. I see this. (laughs) Let me tell you why I like it, and let me tell you why I don't like it. Let's start with why I don't like it. It's too many teams. It's too many teams. They're trying to be the NFL. Here's why I do like it. There can now be no more SEC bias because they're going to settle it on the field. I am so sick and tired of Alabama. It's not even funny. Ohio State's got a game this year against Arkansas State. My first words were, why? Play the good teams. I know money. I mean, but they're playing Notre Dame in, in the first game. So. Well, they got Notre Dame tomorrow night, but it's then it's Arkansas State. Then they got an in-state game against Toledo, and then they start the Big Ten gauntlet with, by the way, four teams from the Western Division. Iowa, Nebraska, um, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and they got one other one, I think, from the West. So they're going to play the guys who are going to play in the Big Ten Championship, God willing. Um, but now it's 12. And Mr. James has decided to bring us visual aids with it. Yeah, let's um, let's take a trip down memory lane. As much as this is going to pain me, um, if you're a subscriber to ESPN Plus, what they did is they put every CFP playoff since the first one in 2014. So they seeded how all of the all the teams ended up. I've got three visual aids for everybody tonight. The first one. This is the 2014 bracket when Ohio State won. This is how it would have looked if we had this 12-team playoff. All right, so what I'm looking at here is Bama was the one, Oregon the two, of course, Florida State the three, the Bucks were the four. So your team that would have played Alabama was an 8-9 between Michigan State and Minnesota. Mississippi. Mississippi, I'm sorry. I left my glasses at work, gentlemen. I apologize. Baylor and Boise would have played and gotten to Ohio State. Either one of those would have been a lot of fun, man. Well, first of all, you're missing one. I don't know how you're missing it. Where's Baylor? 
Baylor's number five. Across from oh, it's Baylor and Boise. I'm sorry. Yeah, Baylor and Boise. So TCU and Kansas State were the six eleven. Mississippi State, Arizona. Oh, I like that. So the top four get a bye. You have the basically the playing game. So it would have been, oh, we might have gotten the matchup from the next year's CFP with Alabama, Michigan State, Ohio State would have got the winner of Baylor and Boise. Um, I like that. You think that's how they're going to do this one? That's what they've already said that that's how that's what's going to happen. It's the top four are going to get buys, and then you're okay. going to have millions for each of them. Now, whether or not they reseed this is is another story. But I mean, they've you know they said that they want to have this in place by 2026, but they're also starting to push, trying to push the conference commissioners to be able to get it going in 24 for the expansions. Mm-hmm. See, I like that. I like this setup, really, and, and I want to ask you this question. Do you not like it because it's so many teams and it seems it's like it's going to take away from the regular season of college football? Or do you just not like them playing that long of a season? No, no, no. I, I probably shouldn't have said that I don't like it. I, I didn't like the four. Um, okay. Because I actually talked about this uh, myself and I did a similar thing. I just didn't have this very, very beautiful visual aid <laughs> that JC has up there. But I actually talked about the same thing in terms of if we had if we were to see this last year, and if you guys remember the Baylor and Oklahoma State game at Jerry World for the Big 12 championship, where Baylor held Oklahoma State out of the end zone by three inches, they still have would have both made it in this scenario. Uh Willie, I'm gonna ask you to hold that thought. Mike, can you please go to the next slide? <laughs> Well, how the hell do I do that? Okay, <laughs> then maybe it's me. Ask. Throw the uh, throw it back up there if you can. Okay. Asking you shall receive. Oh. This is what last year's would have looked like. Mm-hmm. We would have. Okay, mm-hmm. so first of all, let's go to this side of the bracket. Um, yeah. Do you see the right side of the bracket, Willie? Yeah, but this is the so thing. Yeah, but look at look at here's here's my question though. Why is Baylor at number four? And George, okay, let me ask you this first of all: Is this the preseason or is no? This, this was at, this was the actual one. Okay, so why is Baylor at so number? So Georgia four? should be at the one. Or yeah, the, the four. The George, uh, Georgia should then, be. Then, at ES, the, then ESPN actually had this. Uh, they they put this premature and they actually had this wrong. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. So then this one's be- messed up. Right, so I, I, yeah. Do I don't know. Yeah. This I just copied picks. what they gave me. It would have been. It would have been Alabama and Cincinnati, and then uh, Michigan and um, uh, Georgia. Georgia. So Cincinnati yeah. was the four, right? Yes. Okay. So that means you got Cincinnati on the on this side of the bracket on the left, underneath Alabama, and Georgia was. Over here in three, so Georgia would have got so basically the take Baylor, Cincinnati, and Georgia and just rotate them clock uh, counterclockwise one. Basically, so then um, Georgia would have gotten the winner of Notre Dame, Utah. Okay, Michigan would have gotten the winner of Ohio State, Michigan State. Bama gets the winner of Mississippi or Oklahoma State, and um, Georgia gets the winner of Baylor and Pitt. Well, in actuality, this would have been incorrect too because. Ohio State would have been slated at number six. I think they were. Five. 
I no, think they were no, five. the Buckeyes were seven. They were they seven were in the seven. final CFP poll. Yeah. You know what? I think that's where this came from. I think this was the. I think what they did is they seeded based off of the final CFP poll. Okay. 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 That's where the, That's where this looks a little weird. So they seeded everything not for how it would have shaped up, but actually how it ended. But what I like about it though is like that game between Baylor and OK State. Okay. Um, my play nephew or my nephew by friendship and family ties is an assistant coach for Oklahoma State. I actually had him on the show right before. No, no, no. Right after uh, the game against uh, which they lost to Baylor. And though those guys for Oklahoma State, uh, they they really thought that they had that game in the bag because they forced so many turnovers from Baylor that game. Um, and they were able, still able to pull it out. But what I like about it is that in this particular situation or this scenario right here, you would have had a rematch potentially when those guys met up later on down the line in, in, as they advanced throughout the playoff. I would have liked another shot at Big Blue, too. Let me throw one more up there real quick. You should just be able to hit over. There you go. This is, if we're going by current preseason rankings, this is what it would look like right now. Hold on. How the heck is Clemson for? Well, here's what uh, uh, what I did is I took the coaches and the AP poll, basically took all of their rankings, smashed them together, and divided by two. So Clemson right now is four in both polls. Yeah, I, under, I, I don't get it either, but that's how it falls. Well, they're actually ranking them for preseason. Right. That's what this is. This is the yeah. 2022 preseason. They are the top five are the same in both polls right now. Mm-hmm. Who's the five? Notre Dame. You should oh, know this. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should know this, Mike. You of all people. That's 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 because that's because four and five don't belong there. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. I, and actually, now that I, you mentioned, I did know that. Okay, so the the question stands: They lost their defensive coordinator. They were hot garbage last year and didn't even get to the ACC championship game, and yet they're the number four team in the country. That's who's Dabo paying off? That's Dabo. Or who's Dabo paying off? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not losing my mind here. The last time we saw Dabo in a big game, he got his rear end handed to him. That was by LSU. No, that was by Ohio State and Sugar Bowl. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Look at uh, look at where you have everything right now. You've got the SEC, Big Ten, ACC uh, champions. You've got an at-large SEC as the three. You've got the top independent. You'll have a Pac-12 champion in there, and then you'll have uh, and then you'll have four or five other at-large teams. This actually also means. Even with the expansion, you could still have uh, a, a group of five party crash or get in there somewhere. Yeah. I think Vic, I think Fickle's going to be there for a few years coming. Yeah, into the Pittsburgh Panthers. Well, they're ACC, yeah. so yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you're at, you're saying why is Clemson there? Do we think that Clemson is better than Pitt? No. So. I think Pitt right now, well, 
They beat uh, West Virginia last night in the backyard brawl. Why are they playing? Why did they play the backyard brawl in the very first game of the year? Because they, they haven't always, played in like 11 years. Yeah, they always did that. In, uh, they always put it early in the year. I grew up a Pitt fan on, mm -hmm. you know, the Alex Van Pelt era. Um, but, yeah, why they always scheduled uh, – because it was it was always Big East ACC for the conferences that they were in. So they had to schedule it out of conference early in the year. It still doesn't oh, make any sense. Well, I'm just remembering when they played it at, at like, week 15. Wasn't that long when, ago. It was when, is it, when it was in rivalry week. Yeah, I remember that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why it threw me. I was like, why are they playing this game so early? But that makes sense the way that you explained it, JC. Um, here's my thing too about, about this. We're, we're going to – this is going to set up for somebody. There's going to be a Cinderella that's going to come out of this somewhere. This is an opportunity for what used to be Boise State to really actually get in there and do something. And that part of it I like. Another part of it that I like, and then I'm going to get out of here because I'm already 10 minutes overdue and I feel my eyes closing. <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing that it's going to do, guys, is this, is those upper echelon players that did not want to play in the bowl games out of risk of injury. And we saw that with Jake Butt and so many others from Michigan when he tore his ACL in a bowl game. Well, if you're in the playoff and you have an opportunity to win a national championship, you're probably not going to be so quick to say, I'm going to sit this one out to get prepared for the draft. So in that instance, we're going to see a better quality product. The more quality or the more of the superstars and stars that remain on the teams throughout this run, then we'll get better football play going forward. I think it eliminates blowouts in the first round too. to be very honest with you. I mean, the last couple of years, Jim and I did uh, New Year's Day this year where we were, or I'm sorry, our February show, um, where we talked about the best games of the New Year Six were non-CFP games. Mm -hmm. um, so, hey, hopefully they get it done. I can see it happening in 25 more than 24, to be honest with you, Jim. Um, were they talking the 24 season or – the 23 season, the 24 championship. No, they were actually the 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 preliminary report that I read. Uh, I want to say it was through CBS originally, and then ESPN broke it. I think it was a Reuters or an AP report that everybody picked up on. Um, is they wanted to actually have it in place by the time, uh, even if they were still working through the the specifics, they wanted to actually the the CFP committee wanted to have it ready by the time the mega conferences jumped in in 24. So it was okay. going to be the 24 bowl season. The 24 bowl season. Okay. That's what they're pushing for. Well, So basically what that means is this, and I'm, I'm going to get out of here, guys, is that um, the NCAA assholes, um, we've seen, we, we're, we're watching them crumble right before our eyes. And I'm, for one, am glad to see it because they could have got out ahead of so many things, particularly this NIL thing. Um, so that, that government, that governing body, when these super conferences are formed, we already have two, right. And we're going to end up with probably four when it's all said and done. So you have 16 teams in one, in one conference, and that's going to be 64 squads right there. That's half of what the NCAA, uh, football division, what is it? The FBS. Yeah. That's half of that division. So, one. So 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 now it's going to open up an avenue and then you're going to have 
that's where I think the bowl games are going to still be important because those other 64 teams, I mean, and even some of the 64, even some of the teams in the 64 that's going to be in the four power five or the it's going to be the four power four conferences, if you ask me. Even some of those teams are still going to be able to garner those bowl games where they can, you know, go out with a bang and, and get money for uh, for 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 being um, selected to those games. So strap your seatbelts on, fellas. It's about to get real. And we got two years to kick this around, too. Mm-hmm. At least two. Well, yep. Willie, before you fade out and turn into a pumpkin, my friend, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, as always, you are an invited guest anytime you want. It's you and Alex are basically, like you said, your family. They're mm-hmm. just like, yo, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate and, that, man. And by the way, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch the uh, the Moms of the Shield one. Or what, what? what's that called that you do? Yeah, the Real Moms of the Shield. The Real Moms Second of the Shield. Episode. Second episode was last night. We, we're doing that every two weeks. And uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, who is actually the mom of Rashawn Gary for the, uh, for the Packers, um, she's going to be recruiting other moms as well to come on to the show. So we're really excited about that. Well, if you ever need a filler, give me a call. I got you, man. Y'all be good. We'll holler at y'all later. Have a good one, Willie. All right, bye-bye. Now his mouth's open. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling. I'll tell him. Okay. (laughs) So, James, let's get to the topic at hand. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, about something else. And I want to go back into your Buckeye fandom. You know who's going to be at the game tomorrow night? Uh, could it be the 20th anniversary of the championship team? First of all, I, I got that game sitting over there. Creedy's gave it to me um, years ago. And I can't believe it's 20 years. Uh, Dustin Fox, the starting free safety for that team, was uh, uh, he's one of the co-hosts on the afternoon drive on 92.3 uh, CBS Sports Radio here. So he's actually been – he, like, I don't even think he was on today because he's already on his way down for tomorrow. They were down at uh, Grantland doing a thing tonight uh, in Columbus. Um, I, You know, I'm going to an Irish thing on Sunday up here. And I don't have many green shirts that aren't like a golf shirt. <laughs> so I'm wearing my Nick Mangold Jets jersey. Speaking of that O2 team. Um, although I should start wearing it more. Um, <laughs> I, I want to touch on one last thing before we get to tomorrow. Um, and that one last thing I want to touch on is Savali and Plesak go on the IL today. Yeah. What happened? Uh, Savali, I'm not 100% sure. Plesak hurt his hand, and you're never going to guess how. Was he playing with a drone? No. Okay. That was – he – remember that series where um, they lost three out of four to the Mariners this past weekend? Yes. He gave up a home run in, in early on in one of those games and punched the mound and hurt his hand. He went down to a knee, punched the dirt, and hurt his hand. According to the report. And I think I think Natalie said something about that or retweeted it from somebody. Fine. 
if that's true, you can probably chalk that up as one of maybe the 10 dumbest injuries in, in baseball history. It's right there with playing with a drone. And what was the other one? Didn't somebody throw their back out sneezing or something stupid? Besides I remember me? I remember somebody threw their back out carrying in groceries. All right, let's get to the other thing because I'm I'm gonna have a headache thinking about this. <laughs> I because when she said that those two went on the IL, and she's like, no one panic, just deep breathe into a bag if you need to. And I'm like, what happened? And I see it and I'm like, that's not good. Um so let's get to tomorrow. Let's get to the most anticipated Ohio State opening. Um, a lot of years. This is the highest ranked team they're gonna play in week one, and I don't know how long. Um, Sorry, I, I just pulled the score up. They're already down 6-1 to Seattle in that game tonight. So so remember I said the na the stupid Nationals tied it? Yeah. Yeah, the Mets put up a four spot in the next inning. Yep. My favorite moment of tonight, by the way, was um, uh, Tomas Nito hits a sacrifice fly to score the third run. Jeff McNeil stops between second and third because it was Vogel back at third. These four dudes showed up in a Mets T-shirt that was for four people. Like, they were all in it at once, and it said Volvo back on the back last night. Well, of course he had to stop because he actually needed, what, about a good half hour for Volvo back to be able to get back to the bag? Listen, I watched him go first to home on a double a few weeks ago, and it was a thing of beauty. I saw that clip that they had where, um, uh, who was it, got to third on, on – um, yeah, I saw that John Boy did a clip of that. Well, I got one more for you, and then we'll jump into the game. So that's an old-timers day last week. Bartolo Colon was in there throwing BBs. He was winding up and throwing gas. Edgardo Alfonso looked at him like, what are you doing? I mean, that's he's fun. only 846 years old. And he's still throwing 85 to 90. Um, <laughs> it's, he thinks he's the, the Dominican Satchel Page. What is it with you guys and having people throw, you know, that old? You, you, you had Bartolo, you had Julio, who might still be playing somewhere at like 16 years old right now. Yeah, in the Mexican League. I think I think him and Colin were on the same team in the Mexican League, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> playing with Jake Taylor? And Tolbert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's officially a wise guy show. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about Saturday. Let's talk about maybe what ESPN has called the most anticipated game of the entire college football season. And you know I hate them. You know I hate them. Although, I don't know if you saw my episode from over the weekend. Holly Rowe was at Buckeye practice. She's going to be on the sidelines. Um, here's a sad piece of information. This might be the last two or three games that Herb Street calls the Buckeyes. Listen, man, that's – have you seen the clip of Corso going around today? I have not. I know you're going to send it to me. They have made it dirty, James. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Does he drop an F-bomb like he did off camera that one time? About that, what? Wasn't off, that wasn't off camera. He said, ah, and grabbed the other thing. No, you know what he says when he grabs the mascot's – 
had to put on. He says, give me that. They've made it dirty, James. I can't wait. <laughs> it was great. If this was my channel. We'd be playing it. It would be a little box way down here somewhere. I was telling uh, Steph said to me tonight, she goes, you know, you got to tell is this on your page or Jim's? Because you guys have different mouths when you do on your page. Jim's tell Willie. <laughs> All right. So now we'll get back on track. Uh, real quick. Uh, happy belated anniversary, dude. It's, oh, thank uh, you. This, thank is, you. this is actually the first time you and I have been on camera together since. And I appreciate that. 11 years already. Steph, I know you're in the other room. What were you thinking? You said I do. Real quick story. My grandparents, when they redid their vows at 50, uh, they did it like in front of the church, like right after the mass and everything. So here's my brother, my father, and myself sitting in the front. And the priest goes, um, if anyone here can object to these two, Stop my it. grandmother my grandmother is 70 years old, looks right at us and says, don't you dare. And the three of us are just sitting there, Mr. Burns, and the whole church is laughing. Okay, now I just had the shot of that in my brain, by the way. Of the three of you sitting there, Mr. Burnsing it. <laughs> We're, um, what's the. <laughs> Do you ever watch the show The League? No, I haven't. People tell me I need to. Okay, there's. Let me just put it to you this way there's a scene in the, in the season finale of the first episode where they're in the house of somebody named Shiva. And somebody's getting ready to do a Shiva blast. And that's all I'll say. And I will send you the clip of that afterwards. That's amazing. All right. So let's get to Saturday. I know it's the third time I've said it. Um, but let's and we're get to Saturday. Minutes in. <laughs> and I should have made coffee. Anyway, um, let's talk about some bulletin board material that was given to Marcus Freeman. And that is Vegas has Ohio State as a 17 and a half point favorite. Uh, as of Monday, and I'm sure now that people have heard Marcus Freeman say it's a bulletin board thing, knowing how Ryan Day motivates his players, I wouldn't be surprised if it went up. Um, let's talk about what we're talking about. It's a first-year head coach in his first regular season game at his alma mater in one of the most difficult environments to play in in all of college football. Um, and this is a team – with something to prove. Uh, Day said it at Big Ten Media Days, 11-2 and two in a Rose Bowl win at most schools is a great season, not at Ohio State. These guys have played angry and been angry since that November day in Ann Arbor. Um, you have done your research. I have done my research. Let's start here. How does Notre Dame slow them down? They've got to actually find a. They've got to make Ohio State resort to the run. Notre Dame has one of the best front sevens in the country. I'd actually, I dare put them in the top ten. Their front four might be top five in the country. They've got uh, Jason and Justin uh, Adamiola, um, and then they've also got an end name Isaiah Foskey, and all three of these guys are going to play at the next level. Okay. Now, let me counter it this way, because I believe that – because we're going to do point-counterpoint here. I think this is something you and I can do really well with the two teams. Um, 
this is the top-rated PFF offensive line in the country at Ohio, with Ohio State. Now, their front seven is great, but if the line can hold up, do they have the defensive secondary to keep up with those deer running uh, um, for Ohio State over the middle and down the sidelines? They've got the speed, but I think they're a little inexperienced because I think they lost one, if not two, guys out of that rotation uh, to the to the draft or graduation. I also think one of their uh, one of their starters is a transfer, is a graduate, uh, either a graduate student or or, or uh, in the transfer protocol. So um, I could not, for the life of me, you 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 realize you can't go on websites nowadays and actually find out how many starters schools are returning anymore. Uh, yeah, that's, that's weird. Um, I'm sure you can go on the school websites and do that. And there's not really, there. you got to You got to do some dil- dil- due diligence at least well, like, preseason. Yeah. Well, I see that, that I like, cause I I'm willing to do that. Um, here's my concern from an Ohio state offensive perspective. It is that front seven. Uh, they did struggle a little bit. They struggled mightily against Michigan. They did struggle a little bit against Utah, who had a great front seven, until they got the passing game going. Um, I think Utah was a good test com- in comparison to Notre Dame. Um, here's why. Notre, I don't think Notre Dame's got two guys who are going to go in the top until an injury. We're going to go in the top five in the draft. Um, yeah, they got so they got some first round guys, but we're talking they first like round guys, but I'm linemen, talking about defensive linemen. Yeah, they yeah, don't have Hutchinson skill, and they don't have skill were, players. Yeah, Hutchinson and Ajabo were top five uh, last year, so they don't have that. Here's where I think Notre Dame could struggle, and that is if Ohio State can run the football, because the homer, like I said in my show on Sunday, the homer hitters are back. Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson are both back. Again, with something to prove because of what happened in Ann Arbor. They didn't run the football really well in that game. And they put it all on C.J. Stroud to try and win it. And unfortunately, with the weather and the defense, he couldn't do it. But the most, the thing I'm most looking forward to is what Holly Rowe was talking about. I don't know if you, if you saw her little video. And by the way, when I said who I don't like after Holly Rowe talking about ESPN, ESPN is who I don't like, not Holly Rowe. I think she's great. She is a phenomenal college football mind. She's the best. Because the other dude who was the best doing all the sob story stuff, he's with Fox now. So, But she said the defense was flying around, and they were getting pressure on C.J. Stroud. Jim, if Jim Knowles has fixed this defense – this is going to be a tough out for Marcus Freeman. And Notre Dame doesn't have their number one wide receiver. He tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Right. They've got a brand-new starting quarterback in Tyler Buckner, um, who's a sophomore. Uh-huh. Um, and they lost their leading rusher. The two guys that they have running now, their starter, uh, Chris Tyree, and then his backup, Logan Diggs, only rushed for about 230 yards apiece, but did score four touchdowns each. Um, of those three guys that I just named, Tyree, Diggs, and Buckner, who had more rushing yards last year? Buckner. Buckner. Buckner ran for 336 yards and three touchdowns in a backup role. He got mostly garbage time last year. 
Yeah, and listen, this is a quality team. This is going to be a tough out for Ohio State. I just think that if they get – they can do what they did to Utah because of what they have on the outside. So I I don't think there's a slot corner in the country who can cover Jackson Smith and Jiggle. I don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Now Marvin Harrison is that two he was in that Rose Bowl where he was amazing. Julian Fleming and Emeka Abuka are going to see the ball more. Cage Stover is back at tight end instead of having played linebacker. And if they can run the football with Henderson and the Heisman, uh, the odds on Heisman favorite under center, Jim, this is a tough out for any team. And I know you can't stand them. And, and And you know I'm a homer when it comes to them. But let's get real for a minute. This offense could rival that one from Alabama a couple years ago. It in could sheer, in sheer it volume. Could. Yeah, it's uh the the other the other defensive player that uh, that I'm forgetting about uh, is is linebacker uh, JD Bertrand who had 65 tackles so uh, 65 solo tackles for the Irish last year. He was in the top 24 in the nation. Um, he I mean between him. At least one of the Adamiola boys and uh, and Foskey, they're all going to be either first or second day picks uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL if they end up coming out. But you know, Michigan. I'm sorry, not Michigan. Notre Dame runs a four three defense, and they run a spread offense. If they can spread Ohio State out defensively, Ohio State does have some guys that can go one on one in the secondary. But let. That's just that's just where this is such a wild card because it's 17 and a half of a spread with Notre Dame's spread offense and as many guys as they're plugging back in. Yeah, they're fifth in the nation. Yeah, they were 11 and two last year, and their only losses were to uh, uh, their bowl game where they blew a 28 to seven lead against OK State and a team that got into the playoff that never that should have had no business being near the playoff when the season began in the first place in the Bearcats. This is something where this could be, they're calling it 17 and a half. We could be looking at 10. We could be looking at three. We could be looking at 40 because that's just it. Marcus Freeman's only got one head coaching game in his entire life, and it was the bowl game eight months ago. Where they blew a 28-7 lead. Right. Um, Here's another thing that people aren't talking about but I picked up on because of – Because, uh, sorry, they, they went to a 2012 game with Johan Santana, and I looked over them I'm like, why is he? Is, they're playing the Nationals. It's Cincinnati helmet. Anyway, um, I, squirrel. Um, <laughs> so, I'm sorry. So what I was saying was the one piece of wild card that no one's talking about, that I don't think is getting enough attention, Jim Knowles brought his defensive captain from Oklahoma State. And I think that's going to be massive for this. Plus, is it Ugalele is the one defensive end they got from USC and Jack Sawyer? Yes. Okay. I, I think I call him Tulele over the weekend, which I think is the quarterback from Clemson now that I think about it. What is it with their defensive ends? Ugalele uh, uh, with the Browns, who just made the fifty-three for the second year in a row. Tommy Togiai. It's you know they're they're, was a tackle. they're they're screwing with us. Togiai was a tackle. Um, still, still defensive D-line. players that we can't pronounce. Yeah. D-line. So 
here's bringing over his defensive captain in the secondary was huge. Jack Sawyer and his buddy on the other side seem to have taken that next step. Um, I think what they can do is, if they have, they can run a version of what we used to call the Rushman package when you had Bosa, Chase Young, Bosa, just taking dudes out. Uh, Buckner's a, a mobile quarterback, but he hasn't been really hit yet. Right. If he was doing garbage time and running the ball, yeah, he's been hit as a runner, but he's never gotten a shot when he's been in the pocket. Um, with losing their top wide receiver and Ohio State having a secondary that can run with you, I think they're going to turn Notre Dame into a one-dimensional team. And I think it's the only way you can beat them. They're a great football team, and Marcus Freeman is a great coach, and their linebackers coach is a dog. And they're a road warrior. I think they're going to be in the playoff. Well, I mean, well, not this year. I mean, I, if we if we if we had twelve, I think they're in the playoff this year. I think they're in the playoff this year if they run the table and they keep this game close. That's the key. They've got to keep this within two scores to think, to actually have something legitimate because Cincinnati beat them by two scores last year, and uh, what Notre Dame finished. Notre Dame was the sixth last year. Yeah. Um, it's they're a great team. He inherited a great team from Chip Kettler, from uh, Kelly, Brian Kelly, um, yeah, Brian Kelly. Chip Kelly's the one he's at UCLA, yeah, who's a Big Ten coach now. Um, well, next year, or is it 24? 24. Okay, um, so <laughs> while I'm thinking about it, did you see the Annie Agar video I retweeted? I did. I watched it. Did you see the Lou Holtz impression on the Pat McAfee show about the letters he wrote to Kelly? I did not. That's oh, actually God. on my that's on my short list for tonight. I went to dinner with my dad. I got home way too close, and then I told you I had some technical issues and then an issue with my guitar that I had to get my brother on the phone real quick. Well, first of all, the guy who does the Mel Kiper impersonation during the draft also does Lou Holtz. Apparently, Lou not Holtz. Caliendo, is it? Because I know he did both. It's not Caliendo. It's his buddy, um, his buddy Evan. Okay. He he's the one that uh, remember I sent you the one when the Packers drafted Jordan Love. He was the guy doing Kuiper. Okay. He also does Lou Holtz. <laughs> in AJ, in the words of AJ Hawk, we're going to get sued. Um, <laughs> In the words of you and me, we're going to get sued. Yeah, we are. Um, but in all seriousness, it was so funny. He, I guess he wrote uh, Kelly about eight letters and he never responded to one of them. The guy goes off as Lou Holtz. Tyro Whittingham answered all my letters. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Oh, my God. Exactly. Just throw them. Just throw them. So my last two part, last two parts of this for the game on uh, tomorrow night. Uh, for those, uh, we have two people still watching. For those of you watching, 8 o'clock, ESPN, Fowler, Herb Street, and Holly Rowe are going to be on the call tomorrow night. Um, game day is there. Maybe the last time. On, well, no, game day will be there for the big one in November, too. Um, but this could be the last couple times game day is there too. 
not necessarily because they've done game day games that they're not covering that maybe that maybe Fox or or somebody else had the the primetime broadcast on. Yeah, but do you think that NBC, CBS, and Fox are going to ESPN on campus? Come on. Yeah, but you don't. But the other thing is, is that any of those others, CBS doesn't do an on the road. Fox doesn't go on the road. Fox gets a big game Saturday goes on the road. Oh, that's news to me because I thought it was still a studio show. It is. Again, I'm a cord cutter, so I only get whatever ESPN Plus is playing. It is for most weeks, but they go on the road for special big games. Like they go, uh, um, they'll go on the road for Red River. They'll go on the road for Michigan Ohio State. They'll go on the road for stuff like that. Um, especially now that Urban's back. Yeah, but also keep in mind those are all games that Fox has rights to. No, I understand that, and maybe it, I don't want to see Coach Corso not put Brutus on. I, I just love that stuff. Um. So going into tomorrow, you have two teams with something to prove. You have two teams with title aspirations. Um, you have two teams possibly on the precipice of being in the same conference. Let's get into prediction time, James. What do you got? Wake up, Jim. Oh, sorry. That was my prediction that this is not going to be. This is not going to be seventeen. This is going to be. I got a feeling this could be. This could get out of hand. Really, Michigan is. I'm sorry. Why do I keep saying Michigan? Oh yeah, that's right. That was, that, they, that was the team that spanked the Buckeyes uh, the last time they were in a big game that meant anything. Um, Notre Dame only returns fifty nine percent of their entire twenty twenty one offensive production, which was ninety third in the nation coming into this season, there's no way you can go into one of the most hostile environments in college football against a team with an ax to grind that did not get into the playoff for, what, only the second time in the last seven years. Um, and the only other time that happened was uh, was they were ineligible. Um, the uh, you, can't, you can't go into their primetime opening the season – with this much aspiration and expect this to be competitive with a rookie coach, a new offensive, a, a new offensive scheme. Um, and essentially you're missing your three biggest skill players between quarterback, running back and wide receiver that either graduated or got hurt. This is Notre Dame's biggest, <laughs> this, this is going to be a massive, Massive mistake, I feel. And they say that, you know, you can't win or lose uh, a national championship in the opening week. Um, somebody, yes, better, uh, somebody better tell South Bend. Ohio State lost it in week two. Yeah, but the difference is, is a lot of the times if you have a marquee matchup like this, let's let's say, you know, what happens tomorrow night with, with Oregon and Georgia – those two teams are still gonna. Those two teams are top fifteen going head to head. You've got um, you've got Florida and and Utah tomorrow night. I think as is well. Is that the swamp or is that out west? According to how they have it drawn up, it's in the swamp. I'm wondering also if it might be neutral site because it was okay. just like you know the little box score ticker thing. Um, okay. But you've got three 
marquee matchups like that. The thing is, is that they're all very high, uh, high profile matchups that with strength of schedule may not hurt in the long run. But if you go out and you absolutely lay an egg tomorrow night, you're done. And you Especially don't have a championship game to bolster your schedule. Exactly. I was just going to say that they don't have the 10th data point um, or whatever they call it that Heather Dennis calls it. Uh, I think you're going to hear a lot of this tomorrow night. Hate the football team all you want. Can't hate on the band. Funny thing, my elementary school stole that as the school's fight song. Are you serious? Wait, what'd you go to? Center Elementary in Mayfield. Nice. Mayfield. Right on the corner of Salmon Wilson Mills. Is that where the plane landed? That was the middle school about three blocks from here. My niece goes to that middle school. My sister got a text message, and if they, she freaked out, and they didn't tell them for like 25 minutes. My mother freaked out because she's in the apartment complex a block and a half away, and the plane was right, right over the top of her building. I know where she is. I think Creedy's used to live in that one, too. Actually, uh, probably not because my mom's in, uh, in a complex that like mostly young couples and seniors are in. It's not exclusively for seniors, but it's like it's it's kind of garnered towards that because of how secluded it is. All right, so going up some from Wilson Mills, you make a right or a left to get to your mother. Uh, it's on the left-hand side of the street, but it's up towards by like Target and Eastgate. Okay, I know where you're at. Um, yeah, I think you're going to hear across the field a bunch tomorrow night. Um, I don't think they cover. I think they win by – as soon as it sounds, I think they missed by a half point. I think they won by 17. I don't see how they don't. How they don't cover? Right. You know, I was talking to this about, about this with some people, and my whole thing is Ohio State normally in the first game of the year when they play a tough opponent, they somehow get in their own way to not win by three touchdowns. So that's the only thing I'm thinking here. Plus, again, Notre Dame's got a very good defense. So I think I've given a little bit more respect than you thought I would um, to this team that's coming into our house in the 100th year of the horseshoe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Notre Dame's going to keep it closer than what people think. I'm going to call 34-17. Um, I don't think they're going to score a lot. I think Holly Rowe. And what she's talking about with this defense, if she's right on, it if they can get pressure on the quarterback and stop the big plays, which is what killed them last year, which is why Jim Knowles is now the defensive coordinator, it, with that offense as high-powered as it is, forget it. They're going to boat race nine-tenths of the Big Ten, and Arkansas State's going to get molly walked. Toledo's going to get slapped around, and then they're going to they're going to run the Big Ten. I said on Sunday they're going to run the table. If they beat Notre Dame, they're going to run the table because I don't think Harbaugh is as good as people think he is. Let's see, because they have a lot of people coming back, even though they're going with the two quarterback system right now. Yeah, sure, they did lose uh, they did lose some talent, but factor yeah ohio state up 
Michigan's going to load up because they now know that they can compete with the big boys and they actually might want to step up to the plate and swing and see if they can punch Ohio State in the mouth just like Harbaugh did last year. This now actually put that loss last year, I know you don't want to hear it, and I know it's one of our most played clips in the history of our show, and a lot of those were me, um, but it also actually was some of our uh, some of our best feedback uh, since we since you and I started going to YouTube together. Um, but I th I think that that is actually the thing that that jump starts this rivalry again, and I know we'll actually have that as we get closer because now it actually means it's not Browns versus Steelers where you got one stopping all over the other for for twenty years. This was a competitive game that Michigan went up and uh, I'm sorry, Ohio State went up and got smacked around for three and a half quarters. And it's exactly what Michigan needed to say, hey, you're not going to walk over, all over us anymore. We are going to punch you in the mouth and we are going to ground and pound you and we are going to force you into submission and we are not going to get walked over for five rounds anymore. No, and I it, listen, if anything is going to it's a lot of parallels with 1969, which kick-started the 10-year war. Um, these two coaches do not like each other. Just as long as one of them doesn't try an onside kick. <laughs> or go for your kick, go for two, because you can't go for three. Oh, you I was referring to what happened earlier this week. What happened? The Dublin game. Oh, yeah. That was the topic. That was my last uh, uh, sports note. How is he oh. still employed? I said that was the entire thing. He is 15 and 30 in six years up there, um, or not even six years, uh, four and a half years. He's never even sniffed a bowl game, and he's lost eight in a row. His seat isn't just hot. It's nuclear, and we're talking about Scott Frost at Nebraska. For any of you wondering, yeah, it's he's. I understand. Did he win a national title there? Where, Nebraska? Was, yeah, when he was a quarterback. Oh, uh, that's yeah. why he's there. He, he was a, he was a part of three, that was where they won three titles in four years under so he Tom. Was with Tommy Frazier and Crouch. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I don't know how he still has a job. Big up to Patty Fitz for going to double and smacking him around, though. Right. Although the funny thing is, is, is uh, Nebraska was picked fifth in the Big Ten coaches poll in the preseason in that in that division. Who was picked seventh and dead last? Northwestern. Listen, not only have you lost eight in a row, you've lost to the worst team ranked by by the Big Ten coaches. First of all, the Big Ten coaches don't pay him as much attention as the co national coaches poll is, because anybody who knows Patty Fitz, he has a good year, down year, good year. By the way, last year was a down year. He's due for his good year again. I would not be shocked, because like I said, I think my I think my boys are gonna run the table. I would not be shocked to see Northwestern invade Indy in December to play Ohio State for the third time in the last five years in the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin Northwestern, Wisconsin Northwestern. <laughs> I would love to see Iowa. I'd love to see Purdue. I'd, I'd love to see somebody else come out of that division because it, it's starting to get 
repetitive. Who, it was Iowa last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Iowa and Michigan. And Iowa always plays years. Ohio State's not in it. It, it broke the mold. Yeah, it broke the mold of, of Ohio State, neither in the, uh, uh, Wisconsin or Northwestern, for five yeah, straight years. And Wisconsin neither one of them good. were there yet last year. Wisconsin looks good. Wisconsin looks like they got their Haas farm, farm boys in the front, stud running back behind a good line, and a defense. Jim Leonard's defense is always good. Patty Fitz always has his boys ready to play. Uh, Iowa's Iowa. Kennick is a tough place to play. This is actually the – we all think that, you know, you said, and, and I have a tendency to agree with you, that the Buckeyes have the tendency – uh, and and have every card pointing their way that they could run the table, but here's the thing: this is not like how the last couple of years in the Big Ten have been, where you know it's Ohio State and everybody else. We knew that Michigan was going to be very good by about week four last year. We just had no idea that they were going to be that good. But you've got, you know, never count out Michigan State, regardless of how bad they are. James Franklin always finds a way to play Ohio State tough. Um, you've got Harbaugh. You've got Wisconsin. You know, um, you'd love to actually see Kirk Ferentz, you know, make a make another run here. It's This is this is not cut and dry for the Buckeyes. No, it's, it's really not. not. I mean, they're, they're, they're half of the their, – their division pretty much is, but, you know – could this be a year where they get that close and they're steamrolling everyone and they get tripped up like 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 a Purdue a few years ago like uh, like um uh, like Michigan State you know could it be somebody that you don't expect to trip them up when they're not looking it very well could be so let me go into my library here Because I have the schedule. I don't know where I put it. Because I used it on Saturday or Sunday. Oh, wow. There it is. Got it. So it's Notre Dame. It's... Arkansas State, it's Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Khaki Pants, Big Ten Championship. Um, couple of questions. Where's the Wisconsin game? Where's Iowa? And where's Penn State? Penn State is the Happy is, Valley. Is it it's in Happy Valley? Um, is Wisconsin at the shoe or or in Madison? I believe it's at Camp Randall. So yeah. So what about, what about Iowa? Are we talking shoe or are we talking Finnick? All right, hold on. So home for Notre Dame, home for Arkansas State, home for Toledo, home for Wisconsin. Okay, that changes things. Wisconsin's at the shoe, home for Rutgers. They don't go on the road till Week Five. At Michigan State, home for Iowa. In Happy Valley, at Northwestern. Most likely uh, either on campus or at Wrigley Field. 
home for Indiana, at Maryland, home for Harbaugh. Which means, could they have set that schedule up any easier for them? Because the only challenge you have going on the road is Happy Valley. All your other big games are here. Mm-hmm. Last year, the argument was that they didn't play anyone who meant a damn. Now this year, you play all the teams that have it uh, that mean a damn, and you get bailed out by having them all here. Yeah, it, I don't. That's know. a joke. I'm sorry. It is a joke. I'm not saying it's not. I'm agreeing with you. I would much rather it be. I at Iowa because it's a tough place to play. Camp Randall, they've really had their way with. I mean, let's be honest. When's the last time they lost to Camp Randall? Yeah, and also it's a, it's. I find it a little suspect that they put it that early in the year. I don't because it's cross division. Yeah, when but they, when yeah, he played but Wisconsin still, in twenty nineteen, it was early. Yeah, but with Ohio State and and, and Wisconsin, you want. Mid-October, early November, not snow on the ground, but 35, 40 degrees. I'm with you. Maybe a couple of flurries, definitely not covered in snow. They're keeping definitely it in a division, chill in the air. But they're keeping it in division toward the end of the year is what they're doing, um, which I have no problem with because that's the way the Big Ten wants to set it up. If they don't run the table, they have no game outside of Notre Dame that would be impactful enough to keep them alive to get into the dance. They don't. Right. Because if you go if because if you go to Happy Valley and lose, let's be honest, again, uh, where they get tripped up. Well, then again, the last few times that Penn State's beaten them, it's it's been at the shoe. Um no, it was at Happy Valley. The one in 2016 was at Happy Valley. That was okay. a blocked field goal, but, which I yeah. still to this day blame on Urban Meyer. Yeah, it's you know, if if that happens, yeah, they've got nothing else on their resume because of the way the the cushy way that the schedule is set up. That you had every other winnable game at home. You had another no other challenge. Yeah, unless this runs into the last time they went to Maryland and played the big one the week after, because that was the year that. They were the number one defense, and they put up 60. Was that the Hurt My Feelings game? No, Hurt My Feelings was um, at home Okay, in 2017 because Denzel Ward is the one to hit him. Right. My brother put that clip up, and I'm sorry. As much as I hate Ohio State, I love that clip. That's because it's Gus. Right, because here's the thing. We went to um, Browns-Ravens the year that it was was, – Baker and Denzel's rookie year. 18. 18. And we saw Denzel block a Justin Tucker field goal at like right before the half. And you've got a whole lot of people in there like going into the half chanting, hurt my feelings. Nice. You got barbecue back there? You didn't invite me? Invite me. You know he got thrown out for that? They called that targeting. Yeah, I remember that, but it was the right call because he, because it was helmet to helmet. I know he didn't lead with it, but it was helmet to helmet. At least it was early. It was, I mean, week. it was you know that's that's the same thing with the uh, was it Nick or Joey who got tossed in the playoff? 
it wasn't the playoff. It was the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. Right, but still very it early. It, it, it they didn't Nick. lead. They didn't lead with the crown, but it was still helmet to helmet. No, they, it was, and you could tell he didn't want to play. Yeah. <laughs> no, Nick. Nick got hurt in the TCU game uh, when Ryan Day was filling in for Urban. Look, I, I like them Saturday. I don't see a tough game till they get Wisconsin, depending on how Wisconsin's defense plays against them and what they can do in the secondary. Um, it's an even year, so Rutgers is in the shoe, so I won't be able to, you know, just jump in my car and go an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. I told you about Creedus and I went to Rutgers in 2017. Yeah, you did. We ended up on the front page of the Columbus Post-Dispatch, too. <laughs> and people that I talked to are like, how come you look so sad? I'm like, listen, I was in Jersey. I ain't get, no, 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 no. Um, real quick, I actually was looking up something that I'm going to ask you about here in a minute. The, uh, the That Utah-Florida game is in the swamp. It's in the swamp? Okay. Yeah. Um, who's their head coach now? Florida? Yeah. I should have known this. It's not Dan Mullen still, is it? Oh, no. They actually left him on the plane. Uh, they left him on the tarmac. That's right. Oh, where is this? Next one, by the way. Good. Uh, Billy Napier. Okay. So let me pose this question to you before we get out of here tonight. Um, Real quick, Cleveland area football, Nordonia beat Mayfield 48-27. I wanted to catch a couple of Mayfield games this year. You mean with most their fresh head coach? Most famous person to come out of Nordonia. Denzel Ward. Mike the Miz. Oh, uh, yeah. Have you seen that T-shirt speaking of Denzel? Where his uniform's cut into thirds? It's the Nordonia Knights green, the Ohio State red, and the Browns brown. I have not, but that's actually kind of cool. Um, oh, it's it's the T-shirt company that's up in Lake County. That's not CLE Clothing. It's not 216 because I think 216 is going out of business. No, I think it's CLE. You might be right. CLE clothing is like they've got so many so many shops around. It's you can't even tell anymore. So, what if tomorrow night turns into an absolute laugher? Are you staying with it to see how bad it gets, or do you flip over to one of the other? To, well, um, or do you flip over to something else? Or, I mean, are you like watching everything going into it, or are you watching? Oregon, Georgia, or or Florida, uh, Utah, leading into it. I got barbecue stuff tomorrow. I'll be doing that. Um, if it turns into a laugher, Mets are in a pennant race. It, being bl- brutally honest, um, I want to see what the name of the company is. There it is. It's the Columbus to Cleveland shirt. Oh, it's not Nordonia. It's just Ohio State and um, 
It's just Ohio State and the Browns. But I thought I saw one that was both. That was all of them. Anyway. Um, the guy walking down the hall is actually talking about the trade and uh, the, uh, the Cavs trade, and he's actually talking about uh, – I can actually hear him talking about Milwaukee and the Lakers. Nice. Um, no, I think um, if it's a blowout, I will probably throw Paul Keels in one of the earbuds, and I'll turn the Mets on. Um, Scherzer's going tomorrow. I just I can't get over how many good games there are tomorrow. There's I, this is the one thing college football did right this year. You've got loaded up. You've got four marquee matchups on the on the opening weekend. The so technical opening weekend. Let's, let's run through a couple other ones. Let's run through Oregon and Georgia, where Georgia's defensive coordinator is now the head coach at Oregon from their national title run. Uh, I, Georgia's got too much. It's in Atlanta. The Ducks have got to come across the country. It's not Mario Cristobal anymore with his offensive mind. Right. I like Georgia. How about you? I, I I can't go I can't go against them. You're you're you are the defending champions. Regardless of how much you lost, you are still the champions. What did Ric Flair used to say? To be the man, you got to beat the man. Uh, so there's um, let's see who else is tomorrow. Um, uh, Florida, Utah. I like the Utes. I like them too, but you know me. Yeah, I know you. It's uh, um, in the swamp. New head coach, something to prove. Utah having to come all the way across country, and by the time that game kicks off, it's going to be like 4 o'clock. They're all going to be thinking on 3, 4 o'clock local time instead of and, 7. Yeah, well, they're also bringing back the majority of that defense. I understand that. Yeah, they are seventh in the country in Florida. I want to say is like with their, you know, with with all the votes they get. I think they're in the top thirty-five, but you don't go down to the swamp that early in the year and expect the result that you're looking for. And no I can Mormon see magic. Eater fan of thirty-five years. No Mormon magic. LSU, Florida State, how bad is LSU going to beat the hell out of that team? <laughs> um, yeah. That could be uh, that could be one of the ugliest games of the weekend. Who's Alabama play? You don't want to know. Texas? No. UT Chattanooga? Utah State. They are a 41.5-point favorite. Does Vegas know Jordan Love's not there anymore? <laughs> um, a couple more here. Um, good one on Monday night. Problem is it's in prime time, and a lot of us are going to be cutting it off early. Clemson and Georgia Tech. Who cares? I think Georgia Tech is. I, mean, I think Georgia Tech is going to be improved. I think they are too. I think they, but I think they still run the triple option. It's it, listen. If if what is it? DJ Tuolele is their quarterback. Yes. Okay. If he plays the way he can play, they're gonna smoke whoever they play in that conference. I don't until they have to play Pitt, which I'd love to know where that game is. 
worth even playing. I know they get Notre Dame this year, so that I they're not gonna. Someone had Clemson beating Notre Dame. I was like, what? Are, what are you watching? Dabo's lost the mojo. Yeah, but let's also see what happens to Notre Dame tomorrow night, and actually see if it if it hurts their morale under a rookie head coach going forward. GV Art and Design is the company. Okay. So yeah, it's um. They have a they have a Denzel Ward collection. One more. Tomorrow afternoon, 3.30 ESPN, number 23 Cincinnati, number 19 Arkansas at Razorback Stadium. Cincinnati. I'd like Cincinnati as well, but. No Desmond Ritter, no Sauce Gardner. You went for, you. I mean, this isn't like last year. You don't finish fourth and and drop. Uh, I'm sorry. You don't finish third in the in the final poll and drop all the way to 23rd without cause. I don't put any stock in preseason polls. First of all, and let me tell you why. Um, Alabama has been to a playoff when they didn't win the conference, and they said, "Oh, well, their schedule, their their game against teams where they were ranked at the time of schedule. Their highest ranked one was against." A Florida State team coming off of no Jameis Winston lost their quarterback in the first quarter. Right. Lost who had to play a special game to make it up to get bowl eligible. I, I don't put any stock in preseason polls. It's fun for the media. But in tomorrow's case, it's still Ohio State Notre Dame, whether it's a two and a five next to them or a fifteen and a twelve. It's still Ohio State Notre Dame. It's still Utah going to the swamp. It's still all those things. But who cares what their preseason rank is? Do it on the field. Sorry, it's, I was just glancing through. No, you're good. Now your mouth is open. So Jim is frozen or I am frozen, one of the two. Let's see. ESPN, Serena Williams lost. Oh, it's Did me. she? Yeah. Okay. Speaking and of Serena, did you see the trivia question? The, 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 the crazy thing that happened the other day with her? No. It was either August 27th or 28th, 21 years to the day. On that day in 2001, Serena Williams won at the U.S. Open. Robert Pujols hit a home run. Yes, yes, Vlad I did see this. How cool is that? Yeah, it's a and, and BGO got a hit and 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 Dante Bichette and Vlad Senior. Yeah, and then twenty-one years later to the day, she wins. Pujols homers, Kevin BGO, Vlad Junior, and Bo Bichette all get base hits in the same night. I'm going to make one statement. I'm going to make two quick statements here. Uh, one controversial, one not so much. Number one. Uh, I am glad that Serena's done. I've never been a fan of Serena. Um, I cannot stand the way that, uh, you know, I understand being a competitor, um, but I cannot remember the last time I ever saw her be gracious in defeat and the way that she bullies umpires over the years. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that she's officially gone. 
Um, and there's something about me that thinks that Pujols gets to 700. There's something about it. Me too. He's and six away with six weeks to go. He just needs to beat Arod. And he's three away from he's three away from passing him. He's two behind. Yeah, no, I think he gets there too. He gets to 700. Um, last piece of last piece of, I want to get into because it's getting late. Um, God, I'm old. Yeah, and I got uh, a whole day. I got a big day tomorrow doing nothing. <laughs> We got a um, – we're going to a barbecue. A guy I grew up with, him and his wife are throwing it tomorrow um, at 3. And then the Irish Drinking Festival, as I call it, is Sunday. I'm, I'm th- even though this isn't a watch, I'm, I'm trying to figure – yeah, I could be there by 3. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we did the we did Winking Lizard tonight for dinner, my dad and myself. Nice. Oh, I miss those guys. Winking lizard wings, dude. Not a wing person, but I actually know the families that started it. <laughs> so <laughs> my mom and I were talking about them the other day. Um, but yeah, no, we got that tomorrow, and then uh, the because all the drunks that ran the Irish drinking festival all have kids now. They have a big kids barn set up, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go uh, we're gonna take Bobby up so we can go through that thing, and then Monday. Just relaxing because after Tuesday, I am off till the 19th. God, I hate you. You do not. You know, the only time off I've taken this year is because I had COVID. Yeah. It's terrible. So there will be some more, there will be some more big reading content coming out. Of course. Um, I don't know if he's watching it. I don't know if you saw on Facebook. John lost his mom. Yeah, I did see. John, if, if John. You, yeah, absolutely, John. If, if you're watching, um, we're with you uh, in in spirit, obviously for me anyway, being as far away as I am. Uh, as far as big reading content, I am going to get into a post game reaction, probably Sunday night or Monday. It'll be a recording I put up. I'm not going to go live for that one. Um, hopefully Twitch worked out well. I can watch it on my phone. It's been streaming great. So we'll see how the response is. Uh, and then toward the end of this month, we're going to have two wise guys shows as soon as we can, obviously. Uh, first one's going to be on your page and we're going to talk about the suspension because we can talk about the suspension the way we want to talk about the suspension on your because it, because as of as of 48 hours ago he is locked out for the next 6 weeks good should be longer um i'm going to reach out to nat with the playoff push i doubt we're going to get her until after the season right um but then uh the season ends the first weekend of october that weekend that sunday night um it would be October. That's a thirtieth. Oh, first, second. It's going to be October second. Big Greek and baseball show previewing the twenty twenty two greatest month of the year, October. The baseball playoffs. So if it's Big Greek and baseball show, you know our. Good friend from earlier tonight will be on with us. Alex from Row 7 obviously will be there. I might get a special guest for this one, too. 
And also, uh, while we're thinking about it, our, our, our partner in crime of, of the Wise Guys Elite, congratulations on Alex for the news he had this earlier this week. Oh, yeah. They closed in the house, right? Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. So maybe he'll have a studio in this house and it will sound amazing when we have him on again. Right. Um, Jim, I know you've had a couple of things come out in the last few days. The Scott Frost uh, nuclear one and, of course, one of the trade. What else is coming up with the JC Sports now? Because hockey's coming too. Yeah, it's uh, very much so, especially with uh, um, the Vancouver Canucks signing JT Miller to a seven-year, $56 million contract earlier today. Uh, my Buffalo Sabres signing Tage Thompson, who holds a special place in my heart because he was a draft pick of my Buffalo Sabre, uh, of my St. Louis Blues, and then got flipped in the Ryan O'Reilly trade, um, which actually ended up getting us a cup, got signed to a massive contract extension uh, last week as well. Um, but yeah, we've actually, you know, NHL camps will break here in about three weeks. We'll be ready for those. Uh, we're going to probably end up putting out something this weekend, either whether it's college football or baseball related, we're definitely going to get that going. Um, and, uh, and, and this weekend it's a lot of downtime in R and R about the only major thing I've got on my schedule is AEW's all out with Adam and my brother, uh, on Sunday nights. But other than that, it's a lot of free time, going to be a lot of Netflix, Twitch, and video games, because that's been my thing lately, is just watching random Twitch streamers. Nice. Nice. Which is a lot of fun. Even I've if you heard, don't comment, just, just watching. I've heard that, and a lot of the guys from Twitch put it on TikTok, which gets funny. Right. Uh, so as far as Big Recon goes, obviously, um, we will have a reaction from the Ohio State game. I'm going to try and do a small... Uh, a couple years ago before Bobby, I actually sat down every Saturday morning and did a Buckeye preview every Saturday morning. I won't be able to do that. I won't have time, but I will try and get reaction to each game in, um, except Arkansas State because I don't agree with them playing with playing them. Um, we've got the Buckeye baseball, the Big Recon baseball show coming up uh, at the end of September, beginning of October, previewing the uh, previewing the postseason. Um, what do you say you and me and Alex preview the NBA sometime early October? And Absolutely. then it all leads up to the extravaganza. It all leads up to the day that, if I'm not mistaken, my wife has said she will leave. <laughs> and it is the one-year anniversary of the Wise Guys Sports Show. We got our new logo. We've got our content and we are going to have hilarity and possible legal issues from this episode hopefully a smorgasbord of guests i am um, already going to start i'm going to start working on people now um to come and, on i know alex said he's in and, and i got a and i got a feeling do you ever you remember the Married with Children episode where they actually had to pick a new beer and they tried like 45 different kinds? Yes. You will sip, you will swish, and you will spit. <laughs> you we, will not be, we will not be swishing or spitting. See, now here's the thing about that. We know that the Wise Guy show goes off the rails rather quickly. There's going to be a clock in the corner to gauge how fast it goes off. There's not going to be rails for this one, James. Why Why handcuff ourselves? 
we got to talk something. It's, you can't, I mean, then again, could we actually make it a two hour party? Or three hour party or four hour party. We're at an hour and forty five minutes now. Yeah, but we've been on topic for most of it. That is just gonna be an absolute Oh, here's topic for you. Um they should be about two and four by then. <laughs> Maybe. Wait, oh and six? How did the line go in Major League? Which one? Now you're going down in flames, and I want to be there when you go splat. That was the second one. First one. No, um, you're right, second one. Second one, when she bought the team back from Dorn. Yep, for a buck. <laughs> or sold it for a buck and bought it back at a substantial profit. What, what was the uh, – what's the line he uses? Oh, skip there on the same team. Stop making excuses. It's either a leg thing or a psychological thing or a heart, or a heart attack. attack. Who used heart attack? Me. Me. Boom. <laughs> well, as always, my friend, this was fun. Thanks for coming on mine today. I appreciate it. Thank you for previewing something I know you'll be rooting against. Um. <laughs> if I'm even watching it, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I will um, be picking, don't get me wrong. I will be picking in from time to time, but, you know, I got a Hallmark movie on. I got other games going on. I'm definitely going to be paying more attention to the uh, to the Florida-Utah game as a, as a diehard Gator fan. Uh, I'll probably have something else going on in the background. It's, um, I'll be in the gym most of the weekend. So it's, uh, but I will be, I will be paying attention to this in some capacity. All right. And I'll be in touch over the weekend, obviously, text message, what have you. So thank you, everybody, for our first um, Big Recon on Twitch. And obviously, Wise Guys will be on Twitch when it's on my page. As always, Big Recon can be found here on YouTube and now on Twitch, Big Recon 18. Facebook, Big Recon on Sports. Twitter, at Big Recon on Sport. Google, Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Amazon, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend, James. Enjoy yourself. We will see you guys very soon.